We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Most valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Nice jumper. Got it. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the Eurostep Podcast Network. This is a straight-up Eurostep, which is fitting because I think we've had a lot of... I don't want to say good because I don't feel... Ah, they feel good later. We've had a lot of all-time rant pods, Rohan and myself. That's who I'm joined by, of course. The esteemed Rohan Kadi. And this podcast here, I think what we're going to try to do is half-rant half solution oriented how the can the bucks improve but we did just see Milwaukee fall 115-107 to the Brooklyn Nets maybe maybe I'm a little too disappointed I want your take Rohan first on just your overall thought on this game and how this series has started uh and also how's it going I could be doing better. Obviously, this is the first <laughs> time the uh, the Bucks have lost this postseason. My Lavar meme is dead in its yeah. current iteration. I'll come up with a new one. Uh, Still undefeated because, at home. Yeah, come on, I, I'm, I'm trying to build suspense spoiler here. Alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's tough seeing the Milwaukee Bucks lose their first game during this postseason run in a game one against Brooklyn, where if you want to win this series. You got to assert your dominance right from the jump because this team is too talented to waste any time on. And they didn't show up tonight. The Milwaukee Bucks did. And that's why they lose this game. An eight-point deficit at the end is a little closer than it uh, lends itself to believe. We got some garbage time action that eh, we'll get into a little later. Yeah, But yeah, I'm actually, I'm not feeling too bad after this one. I'm down down real bad. I think... People are going to draw parallels between this and game one against Miami, probably because of the Bucks' awful shooting in both. Milwaukee six for 30 from deep in this game, too. And I don't think they're just different because Milwaukee manages to win that one and Milwaukee loses this one. I think they're different because that game to me, and you can go back and listen, listen to the tape. This was my take then. I thought the Bucks executed well. I thought they had a really good game plan. If nothing else changes but the shots go down, Things will go really well for the Bucks. That was not 
how I felt during this game. I knew the numbers were bad. I thought the numbers should be bad based on the kind of threes the Bucks were taking throughout this game and the other shots that they were passing up. But this, to me, it felt like two guys showed up, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Brooke Lopez, nobody else. Nobody else showed up at all, in my opinion. Tucker was okay, sure. No one else, uh, especially Mike Budenholzer. And this, for me, my thought coming into the series was, I think you need one of these first two. It doesn't have to be game one, though. It doesn't necessarily matter if you get game one or game two. You just want to get one of them. This was an opportunity. James Harden leaves like 43 seconds into the game with an apparent hamstring injury, is quickly ruled out, leaves the arena to get an MRI. We don't have any results. We don't know his status for the rest of the Hoping series. Hoping for the best. Hoping for the best. We simply don't know. He could miss the whole series. He could not miss another game. I find that unlikely. We don't know. You need to take advantage because you don't know. This is a game where instead of a big three, it's a big two. And suddenly it's basically the team they came into the season with minus a billion draft picks and Karis LeVert, but that they were vulnerable, more vulnerable than you expected. And the Bucks have a lead after the first quarter, up 32 to 30. They're down two at halftime, despite a not very good second quarter. Down two to this team without Harden, you just need to take advantage of it. Even if the shots aren't falling, you just need to take advantage. You need to score a ton. If you had told me the Bucks scored 107 points in any game against the Nets before the series, I would have told you it's a loss. That's just not enough against this Nets team, against this Nets defense. So really, given the, the circumstances and the stakes, you know, the shooting variance is what it is. You hope that gets better. That will get better. I, I'll... I'll... Let me stop you there for a second. You said the big two and shooting variants. It applies for them too. Like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving shot 26% from deep in this game. Yeah. And were, that's another, it's just a wasted good. opportunity. So if you want to talk shooting variants, yeah. that's going to regress as well. Yeah. I mean, the way Kyrie played in the first quarter, him ending with 25, I felt like he had 25 in the first quarter. I mean, you, the really like the, uh, one of the things I liked about the first quarter I thought the Bucs were smart defensively for a lot of that quarter. They just they stayed in front of those guys and they made them shoot over them. And they made a bunch. And that's that's the reality. That's Brooklyn, right? Like that's this team. Even without Harden, you still have KD and Kyrie. They're still gonna hit shots over you. But they end up going cold, which is what the, that's they the Nets played into the Bucks' hands. Those guys took a bunch of jumpers. They eventually cool down. KD shoots under 50%. Kyrie shoots well under 50% from the field. Like that's all you can ask for. Those guys shoot under 50%. Their jumpers are mostly contested. They don't make a lot of their threes, which, yeah, Kyrie three for 11. A lot of those were pretty solid looks, and that's ball movement was good tonight. That's also an outlier. But I think the reason Milwaukee missed so many threes, it's not just luck. They took so many early shot clock threes in this game. I just don't get it. I just didn't understand. It was so disappointing. I can't believe we're back here. By the way, we're back here. We're back in this place of sitting after a very avoidable result and going, just why? Giannis logs 35 minutes. Yes, he didn't play garbage time. He could have not hit 40. It wasn't possible by the fourth quarter. It wasn't possible. Brooke Lopez, Max, was like 31. He was a plus four until I think some point in the third quarter when the Bucks just completely lost the plot and the Nets took over. They won Brooke Lopez's minutes through the first two quarters with KD hitting shots in his face. They still won the minutes because of his impact on offense. He only takes 11 shots. He's eight for 11. Why only 11? He only missed three. And one of them was a three. He missed two shots 
in the paint. I'd say at least one of those, he probably got it back and made the shot afterward. Like he wasn't missing two fouls. He wasn't, no one on the team was ever in foul trouble. Maybe PJ for like part of a quarter. I think he got his third fairly early, but he ends with three. What, what, why, why any of this? Why Rohan? Like, how are we back here after this great heat series? Just saying like, this doesn't even make sense. Like, I could have certainly lived with the Bucks playing a good game and losing to Brooklyn. I've said this many times. This is not something that I can sit comfortably with. The one thing I will say in, in regards to game one against Miami, we saw Miami come out, do what they do, and the Bucks adjusted mid-game. Like, that's what they were going to do. They were like, okay, this is what's happening. We're going to switch things up a little bit. We talked about that ad nauseum uh, for the post-game pods and just various podcasts for the last series. but. We didn't see that in this game, really. We didn't see them adjust to what Brooklyn was doing. Given you, if you're the Bucks coaching staff, you can attribute a lot of things. And I'm not saying this is the correct way to approach this, but you could attribute this to missed shots, right? Like Chris Middleton, six of 23 from the field. Drew Holiday, seven of 19 from the field. Chris Middleton didn't make a three in this game. Like that's bad shooting. So if you're the Bucks coaching staff, you're like, okay, they're just missing their shots. However, they weren't really taking advantage of what Brooklyn was giving them, which is what you were talking about with Brooke Lopez and Giannis going off, like Brooke Lopez especially. They get a wide open, or not a wide open, but a good look every single possession down the court if you just can successfully complete an entry pass to Brooke Lopez. And you're golden. You're going to get a good offensive possession on that trip down the court, given you might be playing into Brooklyn's hands there a little bit because you're like, okay, if Brooke Lopez is the one destroying us, that's fine. That's what we talked about in the preview pod. If you can get it out of like uh, Kyrie, Katie, and uh, Harden's hands before he went out for injury, that's a win. So if you're Brooklyn, you're like, okay, if they're just going to use Brooke Lopez to win this series, fine. That's better than Giannis, Chris, and Drew trying to kill us. So that's one thing you can really say about that. But it's just like if nothing else is working, you still have that in your back pocket and you're not utilizing it as much as you should, which is just unfathomable. But it also gives me a little bit of hope, which is why I was saying I'm not down too bad in this after this game, because I jokingly tweeted at half like, oh, this is this was a beautiful half for Milwaukee because it shows exactly what you should not do in this game against Brooklyn. And this game is just film for them to analyze saying like, okay, we had plenty and plenty of opportunities to really take advantage of this Brooklyn Nets team. We just didn't. Here's how we go about that in games two and beyond, because this isn't just like a one game series. It's like, oh, it's over. Like Brooklyn's advancing. No, it's a seven game series. And Brooklyn is, they're they're still on their home court. Like, so, so Milwaukee definitely has some avenues to really improve here. But they just got to realize that. And that's what we're going to need to look for going into game two. It shouldn't take tape, though. It you shouldn't. See it. It you shouldn't. see Brooke Lopez getting what he had five offensive rebounds. He had five boards. They were all offensive. He shot 80% from two. You know what that's better than? 40% from three. 80%, uh, yeah, 80% on twos, 80% at the rim, whatever. It's better than 40% from three. Markedly better. Probably better than 45% from three. Like, I just, I don't get, and it's, it's not just Lopez, it's Giannis too. And that's the thing, like you mentioned, 
maybe Brooklyn can like, I mean, they can't, they can't live with Brook Lopez making 80% of his twos. You just, that's mathematically untenable, but maybe you can live with Brook Lopez taking more shots. Giannis, let's have Giannis taking shots at the rim. No one can hang with Giannis down there either. And he's either shooting threes, five threes. Giannis was the best bucks three point shooter tonight. I want to, I, oh, I don't no. even know what I want to do. Two for five best on the team. Terrible. That's an awful stat. That's terrible. Five is too many. I don't care that he made two. It's not sustainable. And if he's the best, that it's really bad for the team. And that's what happened tonight. But five of his 24 shots were threes. A good amount of the rest were jumpers, fadeaway jumpers. And then even more of the rest of them were isolation. And I just, I can't believe we're still seeing this. I can't believe we're still seeing multiple possessions that is just Giannis the, like the whole Nets defense loading up, getting ready, no one on the Bucks moving at all, and Giannis running in to set defenders over and over. And it works sometimes, of course it does. He's Giannis. The Nets have no defense that can that can really prevent it consistently. He was 16 for 24 from the field, but like why it's 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 too easy. It makes it too easy for Brooklyn. Like you want Chris Middleton to hit some shots? Maybe let's get him moving off of some actions with Giannis. And and they did it sometimes. I'm not saying they didn't do it at all, but there were so many Giannis ISOs, especially in the second half. And each one, I've said this so many times on this damn podcast, each one feels like a wasted possession. Not because it's terrible, but because there's more promise to be had on offense. I wouldn't. And, one thing I will say about that, it matters where the ISOs are happening. We saw a lot of just Giannis at the top of the key. Yeah, again. Terrible. Oh, again, like if he's at the elbow facing up against Blake Griffin, like that's easy money. Yeah, that's at least that's set up to an extent. Like, yeah, so you just you can't ISO at the top of the key. Just Giannis bringing the ball up the floor, saying, "Okay, I'm going to go one on five. Like that's that's what they've done the past couple of years. And they were slowly going away from it. We talked about this a lot and they just went right back to it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's terrible. I, I, I can't. It's terrible. Like, why? Why ever? Why ever do that? Like, I don't know if it's like watching KD and Kyrie the way they play, like getting into his head or what it is, but like, that's not anyone on the Bucks game. Nobody on the Bucks should be ISOing over and over. That's just, it's not that they're not as good players. I mean, a lot of them aren't as good players as KD and Kyrie, but it's just not anyone on the team's skill set. Drew can do it here or there, but why when you have Giannis out there and not for enough minutes, but who can, is this amazing role threat? And we talked about a little bit is like also a really good threat on the other end of pick and rolls. And he's just running right at Nick Claxton and Blake Griffin and like three other Nets defenders. And 
the Bucks, and again, the Bucks aren't making shots. Like, I'm just not interested in driving and kicking in a game like this. Like, I don't want to try and shoot out of a slump against Brooklyn when the threes aren't falling. I want to dunk it over and over and over and apply that pressure. That's how you stay in the game. The Bucks get away from that in the second half. They scored 23 in both the third and fourth quarters, and that was it. I mean, if, if you score 46 and a half against Brooklyn, it's just going to be hard to keep up. Their offense is too good. And like you said, bad shooting night from Katie and Kyrie. 115 is vulnerable. Like, that's a vulnerable Nets final score. That's not a lot for them. Like, I think the Celtics scored more than 115 in, like, four, three or four of the games. Like, with, again, just Tatum and no one else. Like, this was just – this was such an opportunity. There may be more opportunities, but I'm I'm down bad, not just because they're down 0-1. To- totally could be down 0-1 and feeling much better. It's because we didn't see the adjustments made. I think we saw the team fall apart. Some of the Brooklyn ball movement, like, the all five defenders are just, like, Bullen within the arc, not doing anything. Joe Harris is shooting open threes. It was just deja vu. Like we didn't see adjustments. I didn't think we saw mental toughness. I didn't think we saw focused offense at all. I thought it was just scattershot. And again, like, I don't know how many more opportunities you get. Like we just, we talked about it. You just need to optimize everything to beat Brooklyn, right? Like you need to win all the small things to beat a team that's more talented. And it just feels like this was such a failure on that level that it's really disappointing. Like I, if you come away with the win and still mess a lot up, I just, I think obviously I feel a lot better. I don't know. I'm down bad. Pat counted and played 20 minutes. Yeah. Let's talk about rotations. Yeah. Let's do uh, that. So we saw them go nine deep in the first quarter, I believe. Is uh, that, wait, 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 does that deeper than the Nets went without Harden? Yeah. No, no, no. Nah? Maybe it's the same. It's the day also did. Yeah. You saw like, uh, and that includes Harden playing 43 seconds. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. It was the bucks and nets had the same amount of players hit or the amount of bench players hit at least 10 minutes. The bucks were healthy. The nets lost a freaking superstar 40 seconds in the game. They both played bench players, the same amount of bench players, 10 or more minutes. Yeah, so just a lot of interesting decision, decisions going on here from Milwaukee. We see like Drew Holiday plays like it was it was a solid quarter in terms of like that was the normal Bucks quarter in terms of like starter rotation, right? Like Giannis gets his rest like midway through the quarter. And so then you let Drew and Chris run the show for a bit. Like that's normal. But like, why are we seeing five minutes of Pat Connaughton? Uh four minutes of Bobby Portis. Why is Pat Connaughton playing more than Bobby Portis in this? I, I do not understand what's going on here. Bryn Forbes gets six minutes. Like these are a lot of minutes. Like Bryn Forbes plays two less minutes than Brooke Lopez in that first quarter. Like sure. Bryn Forbes ideally is good in this situation, but he's like a shooter. That's what, that's what we've been talking about. And that's playing into Brooklyn's hands, which is what you were talking about earlier. You need to punish their weaknesses. And that's not what they were doing when they're taking out Brooke Lopez and just not weaponizing that. It's just, it's weird. It's really weird that we saw these minute numbers considering what happened last series, considering what's happened all season long. Like what happened? I think the worst part of it was it felt like any time that subs were in, which was a lot of the game, I mean, there was multiple runs where three bench players were in. That's untenable. Like Forbes, Condon, and Portis should never play at the same time or, or put in Teague for Portis too. Like 
Never. Just never. Never, ever, ever. That there, there should never be three bench players playing at the same time first. Like there's no reason to do that in, in the playoffs. You just don't have to do that. But like I felt like every time there were more than one bench guys in the game, the offense just went from like this focused, like let's get to the rim to like, I'm going to shoot a three. I'm going to shoot a three. I'm going to shoot a three. And it's just like the way they were shooting it is just, it wasn't a good idea. It was just bad. It didn't work out at all. And it's just like, you know, I like Forbes 0 for 3 and he doesn't play it much. I guess he did log a lot of minutes, but he starts super cold. I didn't like the looks he was taking at all. I didn't, I didn't like, they were force feeding him to such an extent. It didn't even make sense. Like it just, they were, he was taking really not open threes. And it's like, I get it. He was so hot in the last series. You want to carry that over, but this is not the last series. Like this is not really not. And I think that's feeds into what Milwaukee's problem is. They're still playing like they're playing the heat. And that's not, that's not this Nets team at all. In fact, it's, it's as polar opposites between teams as you can possibly find realistically going from playing the Miami Heat to the Brooklyn Nets. And Milwaukee just wasn't prepared for that. Like you said, they're trying to force feed Bryn Forbes, who was like a massive exploit against Miami. Like Miami has no chance to really cover that. So that's why you go and force feed Bryn Forbes because it opens up a lot of things if you're playing the Miami Heat, not if you're playing the Brooklyn Nets. So it's just, I think it's just a mental adjustment needs to be made and it not needs to, like it has to happen. It had to, it had to have been made. They had a week. Yeah, but I'm just saying if it doesn't happen by game two, oh, yeah, they're just it's, absolutely cooked. So you, yeah, you have to do that before game two. I wouldn't say absolutely cooked because, you know, again, it's a long series and Milwaukee has proven that, you know, they can rally, but... I don't, I don't want to be the guy that just like overreacts. I don't want to pull a Paul Pierce and say like, oh, this series is over after one game. No, it's a long series. It's just you have to see these changes made. You have to see more adept rotation specifically if we're still focusing on that. It's just you, you have to see your best guys play more minutes. Like Brooke Lopez, like you were saying, 27 minutes. That's just it's untenable. Giannis only playing 35 minutes when there's nothing the Brooklyn Nets could do to slow him down whatsoever. He had a slow night if you're just watching him and he still put up 35 or 34 points, excuse me. So like, there's nothing that Brooklyn can do to stop Giannis except, you know, maybe get in, in some foul trouble or anything. And they didn't even do that. They weren't even drawing charges. Realistically, they tried Joe Harris flopped a few times. Nothing got called. Blake Griffin tried to do Blake Griffin things. It's just, it doesn't work. So you'd need to play the guy more minutes. That has to change. And I I didn't get why we didn't get 48 minutes of Giannis or Lopez. That to me, especially, or at least, at least 24 straight in the second half, or I think this should have been like a during second quarter adjustment because you saw the impact they were having. Like they were both so dominant down low. I mean, the first half alone, Giannis and Lopez combined for 30 points. The Bucks plus seven within both of their minutes. Lopez only plays 13 minutes in the first half. Like, why? What's? The, well, I don't get it. I really don't understand. Two fouls, I guess. But I need him to have four fouls before I'm pulling him out in the first half the way he played in this game. I don't buy into this foul fallacy because guess what? You're worried about a guy fouling out and thus not being able to play. So to do that, you don't play him. You're, you're guaranteeing he doesn't play. It's a fallacy. It doesn't make any sense. Play the guys in, until they really are in foul trouble. But, like, they should have played the whole time. And I think you look at the first half, 
I think it's very fair to say the Bucks didn't capitalize on one a very strong start and just a solid play all around. Minus 13 and 10 Bobby Portis minutes in the first half. And I don't, I'm not, this isn't all on Bobby Portis, but every time the Bucks went from and they, they played together a lot, Giannis and Lopez to Portis and Tucker, they just got killed because you can't uh, going small is not that effective against the Nets. Like I think we we wondered before the series, right? Like, is the size from Milwaukee gonna be can you weaponize the size? That was the question. Can you do that? If you can do that, you could probably hang in the series. If you can't, you're cooked. The Bucks did it. Like it was working. Like they there's something there clearly that they can exploit, even if Brooke is gonna give up some on defense, especially in the perimeter. But you, well, I think you also learned going small is just like not gonna work. I mean, PJ ends up minus five in the first half. I think because of primarily the PJ Tucker, Bobby Portis front court, which was like Brooklyn loved it, man. Brooklyn loved playing against that team because all of a sudden the Bucks aren't winning the rebounding battle. And then, you know, you basically just need to outshot make or out defend. You're probably not going to out defend them with all the bench players the Bucks played. You're certainly not going to outshot make KD and Kyrie who played, let me see, first half minutes, KD 21, Kyrie 23. Kyrie sat for less than one minute in the first half. No buck hit 20 minutes played. So you want to hear uh Bud's rationale for the minutes? Oh, some Christ. post-game quotes. I don't know if I'm ready for this. You want to, you ready to get mad? Is it like guys? If he says guys just need to make shots, I'm just going to end the podcast. No, 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 no. He's not. Uh, so Budenholzer on the minutes, they all want to play 48 minutes, but we just got to keep them competing, keep them where they can execute. Giannis never wants to come out. Chris drew, but we got a deep team. We got to take advantage no, of it. Keep them ready. Don't. Keep them fresh. What? What? Keep fresh for what? This is the Brooklyn suit. This is the series. What? It has been a week off. What are you saving them for? Cancun limbo. What? Keep them fresh. It was a winnable game. This is what you keep them <laughs> fresh for. Oh my God. I just, Kyrie I knew I knew you'd love that quote. Kyrie plays 23 minutes in the first half. Giannis plays 17. 17. One foul. And I'll tell you what, what Kyrie point? seemed pretty fresh throughout the game. I, I just I don't understand. Like who said this that, that that the guys can't play? Like who put that out in the universe? And I know there's things about like, like Gian, Gian, Giannis can't play 48 minutes for sure. He probably 44 might be pushing it. He should play 40 at least every single game. And if he gets tired, he gets tired. But, like, again. He did it against Miami. It's the same against the fouls, though, if you think about it, right? Like, what are you worried about? You're worried about Giannis later being tired and less effective. You know when he's really not effective? When his ass is on the bench. He's not going to get much done at all from there. That's Thanasis' territory. That's where Thanasis gets stuff done. Not Giannis. Ooh, I have a counter. Okay. We'll get to it. We'll get to oh, it. oh yeah, uh, is this a Thanasis thing? Yes. I wasn't insulting Thanasis' game. He's just, he's an effective bench guy. Yeah, you're right. Great you're bench right. celebration is all. I'm just giving him credit for that. But, Giannis just like pumps his fist and just yeah, sits there with is, no facial expression whatsoever. He's, uh, he's got to work on staying fresh, apparently. I, I don't, <laughs> I just don't get it. I, no one was in foul trouble at halftime. No. Bucks, no Bucks one actually, did. I think, got a pretty solid. Except result. for Kevin Durant. Yeah. But I thought the Bucks got a pretty. I mean, KD doesn't fall out. I don't know what people expected, but I thought overall in this, this game, Milwaukee's did, was not. It was not an unkind Bucks whistle. I did not think it. It really was not. Like again, they get to the line nineteen times. Like you shoot fifty seven point nine percent 
from the free throw line. The free throw line continues to plague the Bucks in postseason play for some reason. Like uh, Drew misses two, Chris misses one, Giannis doesn't make one on three attempts. It's just <sighs> the Nets it feels like these feel like throws? the same problems over and over again. The Nets only took nine free throws, and Kyrie didn't take any. <sighs> yeah, come on, Kyrie man. was just putting dudes like. On mixtape, like in terms so of like his shot first half Kyrie, Kyrie Irving is incredible. First half, Kyrie was incredible. Uh, Kyrie was two we... for ten in the second half. Was he really? got to win this game? You got to win this game, box. Come on. Uh, okay, I guess we can we can move on to defense a little bit because one of the one of the things we saw coming into this game was PJ Tucker being inserted into the starting lineup. We like that, that was something we did not really expect to happen yeah. uh, during the preview pod. Did you say you, you loved that? I liked it. Yeah. We it, liked was, that. it was a good decision. It's a good decision. Just weaponizing the sizes we talked about earlier, but you also get uh, Giannis matched up on Kyrie first possession of the game. I was like, Oh, what's going on here? And then they just completely go away from it. Uh, yeah. But well, we I saw mean, that's, tr- that, that was the hardened injury that did that. Yeah, that's true. But you see them sort of mixing and mashing whatever they want to do on defense. We saw them switching it up a lot. They were still playing a lot of drop defense, but they were uh, sort of helping off of guys who couldn't get up through screens or something. But the problem is when you're playing the Miami Heat, they have like one shooter you need to worry about. The Brooklyn Nets have like every, every player is a shooter you need to worry about. And that's how they get into those rotations that you were talking about a little bit ago, where you get Joe Harris just taking wide open threes because all of the defenders are in rotation. Like, oh, you can't really, you can't really do this. Like, so in those situations, that's where I could see Brooke Lopez sort of floundering a little because in those actions where they just sort of target him, you have to switch that. If you help off of that, you're just going to be put into rotation and Brooklyn is going to just demolish you in that respect. So that's one reason that Brooke Lopez maybe did not see the floor as much as he really should have because he was giving up a little bit on the defensive end. He still should have seen more minutes, though. I'm not trying to defend that. Yeah. But that's something to take into account. We did not really see a lot of Brooke Lopez switching, which is something that you and I have talked a lot about. And it's not that bad if you actually do it. They just they just didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, he showed a lot more. I think I remember once Blake cut behind him when he showed on I think it was a KD pick and roll, and Blake got a pretty open dunk. But Mostly, I didn't think the Nets took huge advantage of when Lopez was up more. I thought they took much more advantage of when he dropped than when he showed on pick and rolls. Like I think, I think Brooklyn's more comfortable with him dropping than showing for sure. Like you can't just let Blake open dunk. I think if Giannis isn't involved in the in the action, like he certainly needs to be. Like weak side help just needs to be there on that, obviously. And that's where things get bad against the Nets because obviously they have so many dangerous shooters, but. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing some more switches, which is going to sound crazy because, like, Brooke Lopez on KD sounds wild. But honestly, like, again, the way KD plays, like, he prefers the pull up in most situations. Like, you know, who's outside of Giannis, who is he not going to pull up over, right? Like, does it matter if Brooke Lopez is going to be a little farther away because he's slow? Like, I, I, I think it's probably harder for KD if he's going to pull up and not just attack the basket every time, which, again, is just not usually what we see from him. It's not the way he plays. I would rather have him get a little more separation from Lopez but still have to shoot over Lopez rather than, like, Pat Connaughton is in his you-know-where and it just doesn't matter because he doesn't care about him at all and he's just going to make the shot anyway. Like, 
like, I, I don't mind it. I think, I think certainly I feel really good about being able to live in the Lopez minutes. I just think he's so good. You just have to play him a lot. And again, like you look at the alternative, everybody on the bench was awful in this game. The bench added nothing. I mean, they were at like 10 points, I think, at some point in like the third quarter or so. Portis had or maybe six, and then maybe Portis had four, and Pat had two, or Forbes had two. Zero. They had just added zero. No one on the bench was very effective, which was disappointing. Um, you certainly <laughs> the list of guys you need more from after this game is super long, but Lopez, not one of them. I thought defensively, guys are gonna hit shots in his face. I just and there were a lot of tweets like, oh, he's getting cooked by KD, and I was just like so and like, he's gonna cook anyone. Everyone sometimes Giannis can get, really contest the shot. Most other guys and Drew blocked gonna, it once. Yeah, he did, and Kyrie as well. But like even like PJ was getting put in a blender by KD. It's not that he's a bad defender. He said it's freaking KD. <laughs> like if you're not six ten, there's only so much you can do. And, and Lopez is. He's just not quick enough. But I think it's fine. Like I think you just have to live with it. Like you're getting nothing by trying to have Portis do it instead. That's for sure. Yeah, there's just, there's no real defensive answer, which is <laughs> what we were really talking about before the series. Like if, uh, if Brooklyn just flat out beats you, like just yeah. tip your cap because they're totally capable of doing so, but we're still going to get upset if the Bucks are just completely throwing this on their own, uh, <laughs> under things that are under their own control. And, uh, something Jeff that Teague. Jeff Teague, that's where I wanted to go next. <laughs> So my guy, Jeff Teague, plays 13 minutes and 48 seconds. There's some garbage time, but still. Four minutes in the first. Outside of the fourth quarter, he plays, what does he play? Like seven minutes. You can't just write off the whole fourth quarter. He start. He and Pat Connaughton were the starting backcourt to start the fourth quarter. Game was still winnable. And the fourth quarter starts with Teague. You just got rest. Like, that's rest. The end of the, the quarter break is rest. Why? Why ever? I, I'm sorry. I know. I'm no, upset. no, it's fine. No, the rants, Teague, the rants are good. Teague and Cotton to start the. I, I checked out then. I made it through the first three quarters. I mean, I still watched the game. It's not like I didn't watch the game. But mentally, at that point, I was like, okay, this is tonight's unserious. It's it's a loss, and they kind of won me back with a little bit of a run in the middle, and then the Nets responded, but. It's just like Teague and Connor didn't really. So you can't, all this to say, you can't just, I think he probably four minutes-ish of garbage time for Teague. It's the more than seven real minutes because he played real minutes to start the fourth somehow. Yeah, and he was uh, muy no bueno in <laughs> those minutes. Like, my goodness, did he provide absolutely nothing. And not only was he not providing anything, he was actively taking stuff away uh, for the ball. That pull up three in transition was just, that's a benchable offense. Like, it should have been, there. He, shouldn't have, he shouldn't even play garbage time. It should have been Elijah Bryant or someone that's like, you gotta, there, there has to be a precedent set for doing that. Like, no. So Mike Budenholzer pulls Giannis after that first quarter foul, where he's just poking the ball away from Blake Griffin, but doesn't pull Jeff Teague in that situation. Like my goodness. Giannis streaking down the court, ready to seal at the rim. And yet the Bucks are shooting the way they're shooting. And Jeff Teague in semi-transition pulls up for three. Nah, like, Jeff Teague's going to be the one to take him out of the shooting slot. I was just – I was sick. I was sick. He doesn't end up making a shot. He really tried. At least he only took two. And, you know, this is one of those games where the box score is just going to lie because you look at it and you see Connaughton plus one, Teague minus two. 
want you to look at Thanasis, who was the garbage time guy, plus 11. So the Bucks win the better part of the last four minutes by 11. So that means before garbage time, Teague was a minus 13 and Condon was minus 10. I just want to make sure that's very clear. I know I'm going to have to tweet this probably at least three times before game two because I, I know people – look at look at Teague wasn't that bad, minus two. Condon was plus one. Garbage time. Garbage time plus minus. If you're minus. taking single game plus minus that seriously, like – you shouldn't have to tweet it three times because the people aren't going to learn. That's fair. But I mean, like I just, it, it's perfect that Thanasis is plus 11 and only play. It's for, perfect for Thanasis. I know we're going to get to your Thanasis point. We're just teasing this more and more, but like, yeah, the garbage time was really messing with some of the plus minus there. No, let's just, let's talk about Thanasis. If we're talking about uh, auxiliary players, like he needs to play in the series. He does like, I'm fully convinced that he can have a positive impact on this team in this series. Like take some of Bobby Portis's take, not even Bobby Portis, take some of Pat Connison's minutes. Like if you put the Nasus in there instead of Pat Connison to start the fourth quarter, I feel like this game goes a little bit differently because he just brings it. He brings it defensively. He was actually attacking off the bounce. Like, Given he's not very good at it, but he's gonna do it. And See, he at no, least I'm, drew a, hmm. he drew a foul like yeah. in one possession trying to attack the rim. Like he was already making a more positive impact offensively than Pat Connaughton. He's really just vibing out there, Pat Connaughton. He's just running and jumping. It's like it's like when you like you have a, a really like a, a well mannered dog and you get to like put him in a field and just let him run around and have a good time. That's Pat Connaughton in the NBA playoffs. But I disagree. He's just not good enough. I think like my issue, like play less bench guys and not just different bench guys. Like I, I'm not there still with you on Thanasis. The police are he driving had, to your house. He, for he played one defensive possession on Kevin Durant and it ended up in a contested shot that he missed. I mean, sure. That's fine. But then there's another side of the floor and he will. Yeah, and he drew a foul on one offensive possession that he tried to run. So yeah, he had I mean, one, he had like one chance to show something offensively. He made it. Like he he made the most of it. One chance defensively made the most of it. Yeah, I'm not sold. You're not sold. I'm okay, st- we'll I just have see. to see. Like, it, would you rather see Thanasis out there or Pat Townsend? Christ. Um. This is so. Why would you ask? This is. I think Pat. In all honesty, why? Give me three good reasons. Shooting. That's the only what one. shooting. I well listen. Same for Thanasis. Sure. So that that's not in Pat has Pat, outside. Pat has that's, shooting. There's outside. not in that's that's not in Pat's face. Did you see that one Thanasis game where he was like seven of eight? The one, the literal one, the one it, where he attempted a lot of three pointers. What yeah. what percentage of his career threes came in that game? I, that's a that's I something to pull up. Do not right. want to check. That but no, but, but my, my real answer is I don't want either of them. Like, do do we know why PJ Tucker doesn't play much? He's old. Did he, did he seem that? I don't know. I didn't think he, he seemed seems like, like he's sometimes he's comes up uh, across the, like when he's coming back on defense and it's a little, it's a little uh, lumbered, I'll I say. And he's dealt minutes. with some oh, injuries. Yeah. So you just, you got it. You can't risk it if he's that important. I suppose. Uh, that one. I understand. I, I, I 28 is a little low for me. I don't Fair. know. I don't know. I don't know. I obviously don't know PJ's body as well as the Bucks and their medical staff, but I feel like you could get 30 out of him. I mean, he was just almost at 30. 
but 28 is not 30. And that's two it's more not. minutes of Pat Connaughton. And that's this stuff adds up. Like, I think you need 40 from Giannis, Chris, and Drew at least. And I think you need, I don't, 32 to 35 from Brooke. I'm yeah. not, I'm not worried about him holding up. I, 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 I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should just say 35. I don't know. Is there, is there, is there a, an issue to playing more Brooke Lopez? I don't think so. Are we He's worried about diminishing that he returns can actually or the defense. Yeah, I, don't, I think it's fine. Yeah, PJ understand at least thirty-two from Brooke. But again, it's like yes. if Giannis, Chris, and Drew each play forty, that le- that those three need what twenty-four bench minutes total, and then let's say Brooke thirty-four. We won't even say thirty-five. That's fourteen more. So that's twenty-eight. So then if PJ gives you thirty. Thirty-eight, excuse me. And if PJ gives you thirty, that's eighteen more. So that's what fifty-six. Mm-hmm. So that would be what, like twenty minutes for one guy and twenty-four or thirty. No, I guess it'd be more than that. Fifty-six, did I say? Yeah. Twenty-eight from two guys. That's probably mm-hmm. unreasonable. More like twenty. I can't do math on the fly. Twenty eighteen and ten, right? Yeah, yeah. That feels a lot better than four guys getting like twelve or more. Yeah. So your bench players are Bryn Forbes, Bobby Portis, and Thanasis uh, Antetokounmpo. <laughs> I'm see- like you. Whoever you laugh, but I'm serious. I'm not in. I'm not in. I'm not sold. I'm selling that. I'm selling that idea. <laughs> and Pat Connaughton's performance really sold you, huh? No, but. I, I'm saying I want his minutes like cut in half or more. But you still want his minutes. I need his minutes to fill out the rotation because Dante got hurt. I'm, just, I'm sensing some holes in your argument here, Ty. What? <laughs> like, if Pat isn't selling you, why not try something? Well, it's like, I, I just I feel like that's not a, it's, it doesn't seem like a scientific evaluation. What? To me. Like, I don't know. This medicine's not working. Like try leeches. I don't know. Like, I I don't think it's always better to try something different. That's exactly what you do in medicine though. (laughs) I guess, but if this isn't working, you stop doing it. (laughs) I don't know. And you just call them (laughs) That's probably what it feels like to be defended by him. I don't know. I guess. I don't know if it matters. The point is, you just need less of these guys. Sure, that that's we what can it boils. That's that's yeah. That's all we we can stop calling players leeches and dogs. Who's so we? Mean. Don't don't roll me into this. <laughs> I didn't call. I didn't call anyone these animals. By the way, these were analogies. I want to keep that clear. But it's just it's just way too much bench. It's just way way too much bench. And like again, the plus minus is all wonky because of the garbage time. But they were so they just got nothing from the bench. And if you're gonna get nothing. Like at least get nothing and give the starters more opportunities to give you something. But I think probably one more thing we need to rant a little bit about before we talk about some solutions. And we kind of got to a lot of them. Basically just all the things we yelled about, don't do those anymore. Brooke Lopez, we talked about some stuff. But Chris and Drew, and especially Chris, I mean, I think Drew has a bad game, but I didn't think it was a terrible game. 17 points, nine rebounds, six assists. Seven for 19 from the field, two for seven from deep, three turnovers. It's like, it's not good. But Middleton, 
13 points on 23 shots, 0 for 5 from deep, like you mentioned, 4 assists, 2 turnovers. I mean, I guess it's good he didn't stop shooting. We've said this before, like, don't stop shooting. The old Dion Waiters mentality. Uh, it worked out like it did for Dion most of the time for Chris tonight. I mean, like, I think the solution is, like, probably get him moving off ball a little bit more, like, getting cut him. And I think get him cutting, excuse me, like, I think mo- – a- a- probably a solid majority of his baskets saying there was only six, but felt like, you know, they got him moving off Giannis a couple times toward the rim and he was able to make some floaters and stuff like more like that. But I mean, the real obvious solution is like, Hey, play better. I mean, yeah, sometimes it comes down to that. Like he was missing shots that he just normally makes like his little like turnaround mid rangers. Those are usually just absolute money. And they, they just weren't falling for him today. And it's just an uncharacteristically bad shooting performance from Chris Middleton. Like we haven't seen this in a long time, realistically. Yeah. And uh, it was it was a tough look for the brand, uh, but we are not going to see this again. I, I will say that. There's no reason to think we would. I mean, it's not not like he was being. I thought the Nets played okay. D. I thought overall the Nets for Brooklyn played solid defense, but I think it looked better than. It may have been because the Bucks really played into their hands and a lot of aspects we talked about already and didn't really work to expose anyone. But yeah, he just has to be better. I mean, it's it's that simple. I mean, it's a great night for the Middleton haters. They're enjoying this a lot, which is fine. I mean, whatever whatever you need to do to get through the day. But so it's really disheartening. Like he, it, it wasn't it wasn't a good performance. We can't say like oh like the Middleton haters like. This one's no, just, no, no, I'm not yeah. writing this off. Yeah, it was he was awful. He was terrible for sure. Full stop. And it's like, you know, we're we got into bud a lot. We're gonna get into bud. I think I mean some fairly inexcusable things, but all the guys except two also just didn't play well. And that does make it a whole lot harder to coach well if like you're getting positive contributions from two guys. Three if you want to count the Nassus, but two guys who played before garbage time. There's only so much you can do to an extent. Like, I think a perfectly coached game, they might still lose, but I think they might win just because, you know, better, better. It's easier to execute if you're put in better positions. So maybe some of these horrible shooting nights are turned around if the Bucks are getting to the rim over and over again and, and, you know, guys are seeing more sh- shots fall. I feel like that makes the basket look wider when you're taking those threes and middies and everything, but who knows? Yeah, like Drew Holiday, he also had a terrible shooting night. Yeah. Just he hasn't shot it well in the playoffs at all. Like Yeah, was he averaging 15 points per game coming in? That surprised me. Yeah, it's it's not looking too great for Drew Holiday right now in terms of actual shooting, and especially because his defense wasn't up to par. Wasn't great, especially off ball. Yeah, he got lost a couple times. He was wandering, he some guys back cut on him. It was just it was a rough performance. I don't know what happened. Like very uncharacteristic Drew Holiday performance. Uh, I had a tweet uh, because one time uh, I saw Jeff Teague on the court and he, I swore for a second it was Eric Bledsoe and I had just absolute flashbacks and I like, oh. I almost had like a full on panic attack when I saw it was, uh, when I thought Eric Bledsoe was on the court. I was like, oh no, what happened? Uh, it was Jeff Teague, which wasn't a lot. It wasn't better yeah, not at much all. Better, not much more encouraging. Yeah, but Drew Holiday having like, Saying it was an Eric Bledsoe type performance is not, I feel like that's a little overdoing it. It just wasn't great. 
No, no, and I think it's I think it's especially disheartening Drew and Chris both because a game where Giannis is rolling is like the kind of game where you expect at least one of those two guys to really excel because like the defense is collapsing, right? Like the the holes are going to open up is if Giannis keeps doing his thing. There's going to be more good opportunities to score, and they just still weren't able to. So it's like that. I think it's not like. You know, it's one thing if a team just plays great defense all around and like everything is stymied and nothing is happening. The Bucks were getting to the end, and I think everyone in the game felt like missed a couple of bunnies at the rim. Giannis missed one, Drew missed some, maybe not Chris as much. He didn't get there as often, but um, you know, it's just like if Giannis is rolling though, and primarily most of the game getting to the rim and and getting there pretty easily, those are the kind of games you expect that those two players to really look. It should be easy for them. I mean, not easy, but it should look easy for them because so much attention is on Giannis. And to have them both still put up those kind of stinkers, it's something you certainly would not expect to see again from either player, or really can't afford to see again. It's unfortunate that this this wild confluence of things, right? Like the awful shooting, Drew and Chris not playing well. Um, you know, I guess it's not a random event like the minutes were just not good and the offense wasn't very sound or focused like those are entirely in the bucks control but those four things all happening in the same game you can never win if those four things all happen like you can probably never win if two or three of those things happen you certainly can't win if all four of those things happen for sure which is why i was saying earlier like i feel a little bit of hope in the series like i mentioned there was shooting variants on both sides of this uh game the thing is, like, not only did Milwaukee have shooting variants, like you were talking about, they also had like strategic errors that they have a lot of opportunities to correct, and that we've yeah. talked about a lot during this episode. <laughs> so that's why I still have hope in this series. I still think Milwaukee. I still like my Bucks and five prediction. I feel good about that, right? <sighs> I, mm, I don't know. You have to lose one. I, I'm. That is I think how they that can works. pull a. They can pull a 2019. Uh, Bucks versus Celtics on this one. I don't just because I think there's a solid chance one time in the next four there's a game where the Bucks actually play super well and still lose. That's my. If the that's, Bucks are playing super well, I don't think they lose. I, I guess it depends on Harden. Yeah, that's that's really what it's going to come down to. And again, we as we're recording, we still don't have any news on James Harden's Doesn't injury seem again. Good. Yeah, again, hoping hoping for the best. You want to you want both teams to be at full strength for an actual matchup like this, and especially forty three seconds into the game is just tough. Yeah, that's tough. That that sucks for James. There was Arden, speculation man. he was going to poop, and I was having some fun with that. And then I did more reading and feel, realized it was a hamstring and felt bad. Yeah, he 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 pulled. It was. It, it looked like one. he pulled. Yes. Oh. And he just immediately walked off the court. That's how the Bucks scored their first two points. I thought Brooklyn went to a zone right away that just absolutely collapsed. And I was like, oh, wait, there's only four guys in the court. Yeah. Yeah. He was just like out of the tunnel. And I remember just being so confused. I didn't see him reach for the hammy. See, that's tough. He missed a long time with that during the 21 season. games. That's difficult. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, again, it's 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 part of the game. I mean, the Bucks come in without a starter. Obviously, the Nets without Jeff Green, but potentially going to have him back for game two. Um, and we've seen so many playoff runs. Feels like every playoff run, there's some sort of key injury that ends up, if not swinging, certainly impacting in a big way who ends up winning the championship. But, you know, it does 
it, it's it may be a window. We'll see. We'll see. Um, the Bucks certainly need to play better though to get through that window, so to speak. What is the biggest adjustment Milwaukee can make? So I want to talk actual fixes. So obviously, you know, shoot better, Chris and Drew play better. Those are implied. What actual changes in, in game plan and strategy? What's number one you need to see for game two? Giannis as a ball handler and screening actions. Interesting. Please expound. Because what I want to see, uh, we talked about this already a lot, is a play more inside out, right? And that starts at the point of attack when you have Giannis as the as a ball handler in pick and rolls. And the guys Duncan had a great stat in the in his preview article for Basketball News where he was talking about how Giannis was essentially the most efficient pick and roll ball, ball handler in the league because you just get him going downhill with a little bit of space. And while that does, you know, allow teams to really crowd the lane. It doesn't really work that well if you have another person down there, which is why the dunker spot has been so efficient for Milwaukee this season because it's just a quick, easy dump out pass. And you can also just like kick out for threes if need be. So if you want to work more inside out, you have to attack the inside. And that starts at the top with Giannis. So if you get more Giannis as a ball handler and pick and roll actions, that allows for that to occur. Yeah, I think my number one, even simpler, I mean, I, you could argue rotations should be number one for sure. I think that might be painting with too broad a brush. I think we both agree. All of the starters should play more, especially Brooke, Giannis, Chris, and Drew. Um, Pat Connaughton should play less. I guess we disagree. You say take all of his minutes away and give 10 at the Gnosis. I say cut him down to 10. But uh, regardless, I think we've kind of settled that already. My biggest is just the rim pressure. I think this is something I focused on in every single preview pod. I hopped on with the guys at Sports Gambling Podcast Network talk about some gambling stuff. That was fun. I think I told people to take the over though, which I don't think it don't think it cashed. So sorry if anyone bet on that. But um, you just got to attack the rim. Like I just think it's that simple. I think the Bucks got away from it so much. They were settling for so many jumpers, and you know. Brooklyn took more of its more of their threes or more of their shots, excuse me, by percentage as threes than the Bucks. But you kind of like that's their team. Like that's what they do, especially with Harden out. Harden is the one more than anyone who's gonna go to the rim over and over on that team. Kyrie's gonna I mean Kyrie and KD can attack for sure, but again, they're just like they're gonna shoot a lot of pull-up jumpers from every area because they're so damn good at doing that. The Bucks just can't, I don't think they can match up playing the same style. Like I just think they have to get to the rim. And you saw the effectiveness of Giannis and Brooke Lopez. So sure, let's have Giannis be the, the ball handler more with Lopez. Like why not? That's going to be, you're going to have so many offensive rebounds. You're going to mash them if you're not getting the lob because who's going to be guarding that action? KD and Blake? Like they're not going to be able to hang with those guys on the boards or on the offensive glass. So, or excuse me, or or just like at the rim, like for, for lobs and, and just dunks and layups and everything. So that and Giannis is the role man and Brooke is the role man. Some more Brooke seals early in the shot clock. I mean, we saw him draw a foul on Blake. And Blake is probably like their most adept defender who they're actually going to play, Blake or Claxton, at defending Brooke. And he can't hang either. Like if Brooke's down there early in the shot clock and can seal, it should be automatic to get in the ball and, and make Brooklyn foul him or he dunks or both. Like that's, that's my number one. And even Chris and drew, I think this would help them. And I know drew missed some 
point blank shots in this game, but like just keep going to the rim. Like that's that's the safest form of offense. If there's a wide open shooter, kick it out to him, sure. But I just think the rim pressure just needs to be there on offense for the Bucs. And it wasn't consistently. And that's why I think the game got away from Milwaukee. Yeah. I I can't really disagree with you there. It's just <laughs> it's so tough. Like I we've talked so much, and as we're doing this podcast, I'm sort of realizing like Milwaukee has so much opportunity here. Yeah. They have so much opportunity here. Do you feel a little more confident going forward after talking through this? Slightly, but I, it's one of those where I, I just I I need a good game too. They don't even need to win, but I need to see just a much better approach in game two. Ideally, you'd like to take a game on the road. <laughs> yeah, you would like to, but you don't have to. No, no, you don't. You, do. you don't need to take. You don't need to take one of the first two. I mean, yes. sorry. Yeah, and you can but start it, out 0-2 and still win a series. It obviously it's much much harder, but you can. But I'm saying, I mean, obviously, bro. I would like. I would prefer the Milwaukee Bucks to win the next four straight games. But I'm saying, like, I'll I'll have some optimism after Game Two, almost no matter what. If the Bucks just come out and have a much better approach, if Game Two goes like this, it's going to be a tough Game Two post game. Yeah. Plus my prediction will be dead and it'll just be a, it'll be a bad time. Mine will be alive, but I think I'll I'll give up on it pretty quickly. Um but yeah, it's uh I'm maybe I'm just maybe I'm just overthinking this and assuming that Milwaukee's gonna do everything that we think they're gonna do. But like I still feel good about Bucks and Five. I appreciate that. I still do. There was so that. much on the table here, and given like Single digits as the final score, like an eight-point game doesn't really do it justice. But this was a winnable game. It really was, given all of this, it was still a winnable game. And they probably should have won this game. Yeah, I mean, if they do everything right, I think they probably do. But They didn't even need to do everything right. Like, they did everything they could possibly do wrong, and they were still in this game. Yeah, I mean that when you put it that it is. I mean, I, I remember they were down, whatever they were at halftime, four, six, whatever it was, two, two. two. Um, yeah, they they lost the second by four. That's what it was because of the wild Brook Lopez foul. It's time expired. But and I was like, I think Bucks teams would like the last two years would have been down like fifteen at this point, given the way they executed in the second quarter. So you're right that the case for optimism is they're better. They're just a much better team and. Uh, there's clearly some things they can exploit against Brooklyn. This is probably going to be the best Blake Griffin game of the series for the Nets. Yeah, far. what the heck happened there? Four for nine from deep for Blake. I will say, I mean, they 14 were 14 really, rebounds. They were really spoon feeding him some looks. But yeah, the 14 rebound, it, he had a tremendous game. I mean, I despise him for the way he plays, especially against the Bucks. but it was a tremendous Steps game. Steps over Thanasis. Just if it was garbage. anyone else, if he was stepping over anyone else and Thanasis was on the court, I feel like this would have an ugly result. Yeah. But unfortunately, like maybe, maybe Blake picked that, uh, knowing that he can't I, really fight him I, after I he smacked him in the head and then stepped over him. Like, what a class. I would have found the result a little delightful if Thanasis. Oh, yeah. It would have been, rushed. it would have yeah. been kind of fun. I, I wouldn't have had, it would have been fine. But, would have lost a useful role player if Thanasis catches a suspension. Je- Jeff T got counterpoint. A bit. That would have been a positive impact. 
Jeff Teague was getting a little involved toward the end of that. And I was like, Hey, it would be a real shame if he caught a one to six game suspension. You'd hate to see that. You'd hate to see that. It's all I'm saying. You'd hate to see it. I'm just saying you would not want to see that if it was out of Budenholzer's hands to play him or not. Be terrible. <laughs> uh, you sound like the the Lakers fans that photoshopped Andre Drummond running from the bench <laughs> onto the scrap during the the Suns. Uh... I didn't see that. That's incredible. No, they like they, go. it was like a terrible Photoshop. Like, oh, Adam Silver, Andre Drummond left the bench suspended. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, are there any other things that you need to see the Bucks do better? No, I think we covered it realistically. A lot of it, there's there's a lot of shot making that can yeah, go well for the yeah. Bucks. There's a lot of rotational things that we've talked about. There's a lot of strategic things that we've talked about. The Nets don't really have anything to change. This is like, this has been the Nets. Like they have one style of play realistically, and they're going to stick to it, and they're yeah. not going to really adjust. And their their system is dependent on players being great and good thing is they have great players to be great <laughs> it helps um, yeah it really does in that situation uh just to the miami heat uh they <laughs> <laughs> oh man the bucks had like four reasons running around out there in this game if you it, now i just i just thought of that because you said shouts to the heat and their lack of talent that's tough feels bad man <laughs> yeah it does but this is a very, very winnable series for the Bucks. I, I actually I have one specific strategy question I want to ask you before okay. we wrap up here. What do you do with Portis in this series? Because like the I didn't think the PJ Portis, I never thought it was that good. I didn't think it really worked. I don't think you play him with Brooke. I don't like that much. So like how, how do you go about is it as easy as just like always have him out there with Giannis so they can play four or five together? Or like what's your approach to, to Portis? Cause I think you're going to need more from the bench in this series. You just do. And I think part of that is just having better combinations of players out there. So Rohan Kadi, how are you maximizing Bobby Portis in this series? I think it's a little bit of a tough series for Portis. It can be if you're not putting him in the right spots. Uh, so a lot of times we saw like, he took like a trail Brooke Lopez three that we didn't really see him take a lot. He wasn't taking. I actually like, liked it, kind of. Yeah, but it, it was it wasn't a shot that he's used to taking. Like, yeah. how many times have you seen Bobby Portis take that shot during the his, course of a his game? Only it's three weird. being above the break is not good. We've seen him murder from the corners. He doesn't attempt a three from the corners. That's bad. He doesn't even like attempt many face up jumpers in this game. Yeah. Like he doesn't play like Bobby Portis plays. It was just weird. And if you're talking defensively. You just need to hide him on whoever Brooklyn's playing at center. You Malak, really do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or if they're putting like, you can even put him on like a Bruce Brown. You can put him on like a, like a Nick Claxton. Are you, like, are you switching him and everything? I think you almost have to. You realistically do. It. The good thing is the nets don't really involve their centers and actions that much. So yeah. And you again, don't really, if it happens one possession and he gets cooked by KD once again, you just have to it's live fine. with it. That's just it's going to happen anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like even if the switch doesn't occur, it's going to get cooked. Business. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. I, I think I think Bobby Portis can really just he just needs to do what he. This was weird. No one played like they usually do, and it was just very strange to me. Like I mentioned, Bobby Portis' shot selection it was just off. 
like if they just get back to whatever, like this is applies to Bobby, but it also applies to the entire team. Just get back to the shots you were usually taking. Like this isn't rocket science. Like just do what you've been doing. Yeah. I just think there needs to be much more reliance on the stars in general, just because, you know, as harrowing of a journey as it is for him, you lose a player who will pressure the rim with DiVincenzo out. And you replace one with Tucker, who actually, like, they would find him open. At, well, one of them was the Harden injury, like you mentioned. But, like, he was kind of, like, I guess, actually, that was his only two he made. That was only two as he attempted. So, not a lot of rim pressure from P.J. Tucker. Really, nobody from the bench with the possible ex- exception of Portis. And, again, more of a face-up player a lot of this. He'll do some work around the boards, but he's not doesn't have the size advantage that Giannis and Brooke Lopez do. So, I think you really need to make sure to be focused and running actions through Giannis, Brooke, Chris, Drew, like getting to the rim with those guys because there's not many other guys that can do it. Like I kind of think part of the Teague minutes was trying to get more of that, but I just think that's the wrong way to approach the problem. Like approach it by having the main guys just do it way more, not trying to like hope Pat, Pat, the pass Pat through from the, the corner that just went over everyone out of bounds I just immediately tweeted like this. He should never handle the ball. It just shouldn't happen. Like you should be cutting toward the rim or taking an open three. That's it. This is why obviously it wasn't a one possession game, but like, what if it is, what if you lose by one possession? You know, it's a great cutter. The analysis. Yeah. You might be able to sell me on this. I don't know. It's, who does he play with? Like, Anyone? No, but like, I'm like with the Portis question, like, what's the optimized? I don't think I like him with Portis. I almost think like, if you want to steal seven minutes at the Nasus, probably do it when Brooks out there. I hate when they have the Nasus play center. I just think he's too tiny. Yeah, but he sort of he sort of uh, fills that Bruce Brown role that he uh, he plays for Brooklyn in that yeah. situation. Given given the Bucks don't really utilize that too much and they're not used to it so i wouldn't try something yeah, and this isn't the team to try and play small against because you're not going to do it as good as they do no so if you go if you do play thanasis you should play him with brooke lopez i think thanasis with brooke and Jan. you got me just penciling in thanasis to the rotation now thanasis or Conadin, i guess with Giannis as just like a forward who's going to do something hopefully and then i guess or no, with Lopez, excuse me. And then Giannis with Portis. You just need size out there at all times. I think yeah. is really like that's it's just that's the one thing that was consistently working, at least for some of the game. Yeah. So you just you just need to you need to weaponize your size, which weaponize I think is the, the biggest Yeah, it's I think it's the biggest take huh, biggest biggest takeaway from this uh <laughs> that's gotta episode. be like a triple X movie somewhere, right? <laughs> weaponize size or it feels maybe don't send us to that if you send us like <laughs> screenshots of ratings and reviews. Don't oh, I thought you were going to say send us screenshots of that. I was like, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, we'll pass on that, please. The ratings review of the podcast, not of that film if it does exist. <laughs> what, what, just, what is happening? <laughs> I, I mean, listen, I had a beer with this one, got a little loose with it. You, you got to find ways to cope. Yeah, you really do. It's been a. Uh... 
I feel like this has been good though. This is a good old fashioned. We, we sort of uh, vent and have a, like a little therapy session that we record about the Milwaukee bucks. Uh, and if we're talking about not getting screenshots of triple X movies, I think this is a perfect time to wrap up this episode of the Eurostep here on the Eurostep podcast network and the blue wire podcast network. If you did enjoy the show, make sure you leave that rating. Like Ty mentioned, send the screenshots of that that and only that and also just you listening to the podcast in general showing your support make sure you tell your friends and family about the show check out all the content across the blue wire podcast network stay safe everyone go bucks and we will talk to you next time this is the story of the one As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.